0: Welcome to the show. If you're new here, I'm Chris Van Fleet. It's nice to meet you. I'm an Emmy Award winning TV host, and I'm fascinated with finding out how people are wired to achieve greatness. On each episode, we have in depth conversations and reverse engineer the habits and techniques of the world's top athletes, actors, entrepreneurs, podcasters you name it. If they are the best at what they do, I want to get their insight so we can apply it to our own life. And I am pumped about today's guest. Rob Dial is the host and creator of the Mindset Mentor podcast, which is consistently one of the top podcasts in the world. And there are a ton of knowledge bombs that Rob drops during this conversation, a ton of them. But, you know, really at the core of this, the right mindset is the most important thing that you can have. And with that right mindset you can accomplish anything, L- like literally anything at all. I was so inspired by this and I know that you will be as well. So share this with three people who you think need to hear this message and take a screenshot and tag us on social media so we can say hi. I'm at Chris Van Vliet, and Rob is at Rob Dial Jr. That's D-I-A-L Jr. Jr. And if it's your first time here and you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Hey, big thank you to Rufio for this review. He spells Rufio, R-E-W-F-E-E-O-H, Rufio. He titles this review the best. No one is more personable than CVV and a great guy. Thank you for all the work and the effort that you put into your interviews. Well, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Rufio. And if you're listening to this and you haven't left a review yet, please take a minute at some point today to leave a review and I'll continue reading one out on every single episode as we get closer to that goal of 2000 reviews. We're we're getting close. We're right around 1700 right now as I sit here recording this. So we're almost there. And even if you haven't left a review, or if you listen on Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcasts, pocket cast, whatever, if you listen somewhere else, I just want to say thank you. Like, I really appreciate you being on this ride with me because otherwise it would just be me sitting here in my bedroom talking into this microphone right now. So thank you. Thank you for being on this ride with me. And I know you're going to love this conversation. So please welcome Rob Dial. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. I'm so impressed by everything that you've built. So I'm pumped to dive into this. But I want to start off by asking you, like, how is it that you describe what you do? Because there's so many hats that you wear. How is it that you describe what you do? Yeah,
1: that's really hard. Uh, if I don't want to get into a long conversation, somebody asks me they should meet me. I just say I do stuff on social media. I, I have a social media company. Hmm. Uh, but if somebody's like really interested. Um, the way I explain it is uh, is I teach people how to overcome mental barriers through their mindset. So there's a lot of different hats that I do wear. So we have the podcast, which is mostly just specifically mindset stuff. Um, but you know when I started the podcast years ago, about five and a half years ago, people didn't really listen to podcasts like they do now. Yeah. And so people would ask me what I do. And I was like, Oh, I'm a podcaster. And they were like, I don't even know what a podcast is. Yeah. What's to- that thing? <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, all right, I need to figure out a way to start making some social media videos because that's where everybody was at the time. So then I got really obsessed with how can I take all of the stuff that I'm saying in my podcast and put it into a social media video and have those videos go viral. And so I spent years figuring out how to have videos go viral, what people like, what they don't like, all of that stuff. Um, and then so I was known as like the social media guy for a while after that. Uh, Cause we did about, uh, we're probably about 1.5 billion views on Facebook. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Just a, just a few. And, uh, and then what happened was then I, I started getting a lot of followers from that. And then I just kind of transferred them over to my podcast. And uh, so the podcast has been going the longest. So I'm a, I do podcasting. I teach uh, people who are coaches. I teach coaches how to actually grow legitimate coaching businesses. And then I uh, you know, have a lot of free content just around mindset that's on the internet as well. So Facebook was what really helped to really get the word out for you. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Five years ago, Facebook was the thing like before Instagram became the thing. Yeah. And so when I started getting videos to go viral, I noticed, oh, if I get 500,000 views on this one or a million or 10 million views on this one, I'll get... 10, 15, 20, 30,000 followers from that. And so I was like, if I wanna grow my following, cause at that time um, I was still working another uh, at another company and what hadn't fully left. And I was like, I don't I don't know if this is gonna be my thing, if this is, if it isn't, I don't wanna invest a whole lot of money into it. So if I had a video go viral, it was free besides the production cost of it. Sure. And that would get 10, 20, 30,000 followers. And then when they started getting really big, 40, 50, 100,000, uh, 100, 40, 50 to 100 million views, you wow. are talking like sometimes 100,000 to 200,000 people in a week would start following me from that. So then what do you do with 30, 40, 50, 100,000 new followers on Facebook? Yeah, I just try to give as much content as possible. So that's that's the one thing that that I try to do more than anybody else is give more value than anyone else. So like my podcast is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, that's what it's always been. Then we just okay. added Thursday in, and uh, nobody knows this. But now I'm going to announce it for you. We're about to have a Tuesday episode, so it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Five days we a week. We post on on Facebook twelve times a day. We post on um, Instagram three to four times a day. So I'm just trying to put out. There's so many people that, that think there's so much negativity in the world, and there's so much crap that's on the news and so many negative things that are shared on social media that I'm trying to combat that with putting out as much positive stuff. Because I don't want people to just go down the rabbit hole of the world's going to crap. And I want to try to put as much positivity as I can. So people are like, man, you're posting a lot. I'm like, well, I'm trying to, trying to fill people's news feeds with some positive stuff to help them get out of the mindset of the world's going to shit, which I don't, I don't believe that it is.
0: You know? we, we've heard for years, Gary Vaynerchuk is the one who's really you know, uh, started this whole thing of like, put out more content, just put out more content. I'm right. so curious where,
1: you've, where you find new content. Where do the ideas come from? So I think, so there's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system, right? Which is like, if I go buy a car, I'll go see that car everywhere, even though I didn't see it before, right? That's what the reticular activating system does. So at one point in time, I realized like, oh, I'm a production company. I'm not just a person. I'm a production company. And when that, that switch kind of flipped in my head, it was like ideas just started coming in because mm-hmm. I went from, you know, it's basically like I'm a production company, same way. Oh, I bought this car. Now I see ideas everywhere. So then I walk by people at a coffee shop and I hear them say something. I'm like, Ooh, I don't turn to them and be like, Hey, your mindset screwed up or whatever it is. But <laughs> I take little notes and I have Evernotes inside of my phone and on my computer that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ideas. So we're almost 900 episodes into my podcast. I have hundreds of episodes I've never even done that I that I just have. And that's where ideas come from. Is just like, I'll talk to some of the coaching clients that I have. I'm like, Oh, that's a really great idea. I should turn it into a podcast episode. Yeah. I hear somebody talking, I have a conversation with a friend, I overhear friends talking, and it's just like constantly my head is going because yeah. I've set my brain to go, I'm going to find content to put out there because there's never a shortage of content yeah. and you got to go out there and get it.
0: I'd say that there's a difference between having an idea and having a fully fleshed out 20 minute podcast where you can continue yeah. to talk about this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there is. <laughs> it's it's so, so for me, what I do is I batch everything. So, like, I know that between 10 o'clock and two o'clock is usually when I have the most energy, right? For us, it's 11 o'clock. So, if I want to provide the most value, yeah. I'm going to make sure that we talk during 10 to two for me. It's what and we're so doing right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> that's, and that's why I want to do it at that time because I know like my brain is on. And sure. so, normally, if I'm going to record episodes, so when we get done here, my videographer's here, we're going to record three to four episodes. And so, what happens is I will take an idea. And I have hundreds of ideas. And I'm like, okay, I need, to, I need to record three episodes today. And so what I'll do is I'll go through in the morning and I'll say, this one, I'm feeling this one, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling this one. Yeah. And then I'll go through and I'll just bullet point all of different ideas. So I used to write it all out. I don't write it all out anymore. I just put bullet points for ideas. And the interesting thing, man, is, is I've been doing this for so long. And even before I get into podcasting, I had probably 20,000 hours of public speaking even before podcasting. So as long as I just open my mouth and I start, ideas just come to me as I continue doing it. So yeah. um, so usually what we'll do is we'll plan it all out. We'll figure out what we want to do. Then we'll go and we'll shoot them. And we'll batch. We'll, I'll batch the planning and then I'll batch the recording. And then I'll just change my shirt in between. So it looks like it's <laughs> a good day. Uh, but I just record them all at the exact same time. I've been pretty fortunate to have some growth
0: on YouTube. I, my channel actually just turned 10 this week, which is wow. crazy, 10 years old. Yeah. But I'm pretty new to the podcasting space. My podcast is not quite two years old. Mm -hmm. But I tell people, you wanna grow your podcast, just increase your episodes. And this is exactly what you're talking about here. You went from three to four, now to five. A lot of people only put out one podcast episode a week. And I said, you wanna double your downloads? Double your episodes, it's really that simple.
1: 100%. That was the reason why I started with three episodes is because I was like, okay, if I if I look at everything as an algorithm, which is all... Everything's run by computers. YouTube is computers. Podcasting, it's all computers. Facebook, Instagram. I look at the algorithm and go, okay, how can I give these computers what they want? Which yeah. is more downloads. And so if I go, okay, if if some guy named John's putting out one episode per week and I'm putting out three episodes per week, the computer is seeing Rob is getting three times more downloads than him, even yeah. if we're getting the same amount per episode. And so the thing about that that's interesting is in turn... I start going up on the rankings and because I'm popping higher up on the rankings, more people are actually going to find me from those rankings, which then makes right. my podcast episodes grow from that. And so it's, if you think about it as an algorithm, everything's a computer, it makes a whole lot of sense. You're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to give the computer what it wants, which is more downloads, more listens, more ratings, reviews, subscriptions, all that.
0: I feel like we're in some sort of Steven Spielberg movie here. You just got to beat the computer. That's all you got to do. Just That's beat the computer.
1: <laughs> give the computer what it wants. <laughs> When
0: we look at your Facebook over, you know, a billion and a half views on there, yeah. which is incredible. What was the tipping point for
1: you? What was the video that really started to pop off? Uh my so so the very first video that really went crazy. I had a couple that did like a million, one million, two million, three million, which and then I is put still out still pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it, and that was I thought that was good. I was surprised, I was stoked about it. And then yeah. I made a video um that was called uh You're being brainwashed and it was about how the news brainwashes you with negativity and what i mean by that and, and i'll explain it to you is that you know the human brain is guided towards figuring out what's bad because if we can figure out what's bad we can solve it if we solve it that means we stay alive because your brain cares about you staying alive more than anything else and so if something negative comes on like for instance yesterday there was a, there was a 26 car pileup in austin because of all of the 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 ice and everything right I had to Google it because I was just like, I want to see where this was. And I went, oh my God, I'm literally looking for this negativity, right? So my brain wants to find this thing to have an idea of what's going on. The problem with that though, is that the news understands this. And the more negativity that they put out, the more views they're going to get. The more views that they get, the more they can charge for advertising, which means the more money that they make. So more negativity... Equals more money. And so I basically explained this and I gave statistics on how the world is not getting worse. It's getting safer. You know, you were 12 times more likely to die in a war um, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s than you are right now. I was like, I showed, you know, you were two or three times more likely to die from gun violence or be shot in the 90s than you are now. And so there's people think that the world is getting terrible because of all of the cameras that are now out there. I'm not saying the world's perfect. It's damn sure. near not, definitely not perfect. But but it's not as bad as people make it out to to be. And they think that it is by seeing all of the news. And now you have social media that can perpetuate that news and spread it even more. And so I wanted to make a video of like, hey, you're being brainwashed of negativity because that's how they get revenue dollars from you. And uh, that one within the first 24 hours did like 17 million views. I was like, wow, wow. I, think I've, I think I hit a chord on this one. And so I think it's around like 50 or 60 million right now. And once, once that happened and it was like, Two hundred thousand followers came in in seven days or something like that. I was like, "Oh wow, this is this." I think I figured something out, and yeah. uh, and then from there, it was just every single week just put out a new video, um, trying to do it in three and a half minutes, get as much information as I can in three and a half minutes, and uh, that was that was like the big one that did it. And then there's been a couple other that have broken fifty million and gotten a little bit more than that. And my number one one is at 90, 99,400,000 right now. So, so close in next week or two. I've heard that. I've heard
0: other creators talk about how Facebook's share button is mm-hmm. such a huge thing because that doesn't really exist on Instagram. That okay. share button on Facebook right. immediately can make this go to,
1: to scale for sure. Well, that's why that was the reason why I went from podcasting to Facebook instead of Instagram or YouTube is because I, if I like a video on YouTube, I have to take the link and send it to you, yeah. text it to you, email it to you, whatever it is. If I like something on Instagram, I have to then individually send it to you. But if I like something on Facebook, I can hit the share button and it can go out to hundreds of people who follow me right away. Yeah. And so I was like, if I'm going to go viral and if I'm going to try to grow my following, Facebook seems to be the place I need to really try to master. Have you always had this mindset
0: yourself or was this something that it took you time to develop? Which which mindset do you mean? This mindset of, of like, I want to reverse the,
1: engineer how things work. Into how things work? Yeah, I, uh, I feel like I'm the type of person who... I uh, I used to sell Cutco knives back in the day. And so if you have never heard of Cutco, it's where you basically sell almost door to door. Yeah, and yeah, so, you like
0: go in someone's house, right? Right,
1: go in someone's house, You you show them the presentation, everything. And so psychology has always been a big thing for me. I thought I wanted to be a psychology major and then I found sales and I was like, this is way better. I can make way more money. I'm way younger, I don't have to get a degree and I can drop out right now and make a ton of money. And so I got into sales and the psychology of it really was interesting to me. That's what I loved about sales. And so with this, everything I do is, okay, I understand there's computers behind it. But I also understand there's psychology behind all of it as well, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm trying to give people, the way I see it is this, I'm trying to give somebody a movie in three and a half minutes is the way that I've always seen it. And I'm going to take them through, you know, I'm going to try to grab them at the beginning, give them something really interesting, keep them with facts and figures. There's got to be some sort of climax. And, And then at the end, I want there to be resolve of like, okay, I feel good. So like the video of like the brainwashing one, if you, if, if I just say what it is, it sounds like it's terrible. But when you watch it and you realize, oh my gosh, I can be in control of my own brainwashing because anything that comes into my brain is quote unquote brainwashing me. Then I can go, oh, you know what? I can actually be in charge of this. I can pay attention to what's coming into my head. I can pay attention to the people that I'm surrounding myself. I can pay attention to the, the stop watching the news and put on podcasts or start watching positive YouTube videos and so for me, it's just like, I'm always trying to think of the person who's listening or watching because if I can do that, instead of just going, I'm going to make a ton of content, which is, that's the difference between, w- between myself and Gary Vee, I think, is that Gary Vee is like, just put shit out. And for yeah. me, I'm like, yes, but I don't want to just put stuff out to put it out. I want to put yeah. stuff out and really think about the person who's listening to it and figure out how I can impact them in a positive way. Because if I can, and I can give them a little bit of a shift in their mindset... They're probably gonna like my stuff and they're probably gonna wanna share it, which in turn is then getting the message out of, of positivity, which is really what I all I'm mostly cared about, you know? When you first got this job with Cutco,
0: what's going yeah. through your mind at that point? Cause I think there's a lot of people that are like, I don't know if I want to go, you know, to in
1: someone's house and try to sell them something. What's going through your mind when you get that job? Oh, yeah, I was scared. I was I was really shy, like really, really shy, you know. And, and so what huh. happened was my dad was a uh, was a salesman when I was younger. And I remember being younger and being like, oh, that would be a cool job to, to be in sales. And then I got older and realized I was really shy. And I was like, I don't know if I want to be in sales. <clears throat> so then what happened was, I'm 19 years old. I have no money. I didn't come from money. We never had any money. We were super broke. And I went, you know what? I see this as a sales opportunity where I could make a good amount of money. And they kept bringing in people that were like 19, 20 years old that were making $1,000 paychecks in a week. And I was like, I don't even know what $1,000 looks like. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, I wanted to, I was so afraid to go in and do presentations for people, but I wanted to make money and get out of the situation that I grew up in more than I was afraid of talking to people. And so I was like, I'm just going to do what all of the successful people are doing here. And so I would go on appointments with the people who were at like hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales, take notes on every single thing that they said. And then I would just do the exact same thing. Hmm. And it worked. And it was like my first example of like the whole Tony Robbins says, success leave clues. Where it's like, if you just find successful people and do what they're doing, you'll be successful. Yes. And so for me, that was like the first thing where I realized, and then I got a, a four, 500, a thousand dollar paycheck. I was like, oh my God, this works. Like the proof is in the pudding, it's there. And then I just kind of realized that if I just do what other successful people are doing and take notes, then I can be successful whatever I want, which is what I've kind of done in everything that I've done since then as well.
0: Yeah, I don't want to get off on too much of a
1: tangent here, but yeah. what is the key to selling a Cutco knife? Just cut co alone is to let them use it because it's so freaking good. That's that was the benefit of, of cut coat, was that even if you sucked as a salesperson, yeah. it's really good. And if you're just like, Hey, just cut this up, like the more stuff that you cut, someone's going to buy something. Like that's how it was, <laughs> you know. And so for me, I was like, Just cut everything. And I would bring, you know, we would bring rope to cut, we would bring leather to cut. And then I'd bring like carrots, I bring tomatoes, I bring all of them, just be like, Hey, let's make a mess in your kitchen. I'll help you clean all of it up. And then they would just be like, I wanna buy. I was like, all right, that's awesome. And so you realize that, that, that making a connection with the person that you're sitting down in front of was actually the most important part because the mm. product kind of sold itself, kind of sold itself more than anything else.
0: So if that was, you know, a real like pivotal moment in your life mm. and in your career
1: to like really take things to that next level. Who were you before that? Um, it was a big difference, man. Like, so I'll tell you the truth of me. I hired my first mentor when I was 19. And so my first mentor, I paid $500 a month for. And uh, my first mentor, I I got lucky. There's a lot of people that can be coaches or mentors that aren't really good. I got lucky where mine was really good. And um, he actually wrote a book called The Miracle Morning. It's like 2 million views or 2 million. It's sold to over 2 million copies. And so I hired him and his best friend, John to coach me every single week. And so I paid him $500 a month, which as for a 19 year old is like more money than anything, right? I was paid, I paid $300, $350 a month for rent. I paid $500 a month to have the coaches. Wow. And, um, For me, the, I don't remember any conversation. I know we had some really great conversations in the two years that I coached with them. But the one thing that I remember when anything else was that um, I was really good at making excuses. I was, I partied like crazy. I mean, I was 19. And I was partying like crazy. I'd been partying like crazy since I was like 16 years old. And um, I grew up in a place where it's like, it wasn't a bad town, but there was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of alcohol. There was, uh, I can't even tell you. There's, I know probably eight people off the top of my head that died from overdoses of people I used to party with. Wow. And so I saw my life going in one direction. And then I saw this opportunity of like, oh, I can actually go into the direction of, uh, uh, that I want. And I can actually become successful and you know make something of myself. And the conversation that we had was, I was showing up late. I wasn't, you know, I was giving excuses to why I wasn't hitting my goals and waking up on time and all this stuff. And my mentor said the only conversation I remember in two years is he said, he goes, "Hey Rob, if a uh, if a business fails, whose fault is it?" And I was like, "Oh, it's it's probably like the CEO's fault." He said, "Yeah, that's right." He goes, "If the business succeeds, whose fault is it?" I was like, "It's you know the CEO's fault." He goes, "Right." So if you get to the end of your life and you feel like your life was a success and it was everything that you wanted, whose fault is that? And I was like, it's mine. And he goes, yeah, but if you also get to the end of your life and it wasn't what you wanted and you regret everything and you see all the excuses that you made and you see it as a failure, Mm. whose fault is that? And I was like, that's my fault. And he goes, yeah, so the problem with your life is you're not treating your life as if you're the CEO of it. He goes, if you want to change it, act like you're the CEO and stop blaming other circumstances outside of you. And like from then, it clicked and I was like a different path. I was like, I'm gonna wake up earlier, I'm gonna stop making excuses. And it was just one conversation, completely changed the, the, the entire trajectory of my life. And yeah. so that's that's what I was before And that conversation and a bunch of other things on top of it just shifted me to, to go complete a complete different route. And that was, that was 2006, so we're looking at 15 years ago now.
0: Wow, that is so powerful when you yeah. start to put, think about it like that.
1: Yeah. Do you think that everyone should look into getting a mentor? for sure. I, I th- there's a statistic that says the average millionaire has had seven mentors before they become a millionaire. Wow. So the thing about it is in and, and I don't think it just ha- I don't think that so there's there's benefits. You can have a paid mentor and unpaid mentor and I always say like there's benefits to both. Like I have unpaid mentors that are guys that are older than me and you'd think someone that's 50, 60, 70 years old I would have no value to give them. But we found ways where they get value from being around me and they also just love to they've made their money, they've had their success and they see they find their success in your success now, which is what's awesome, right? Mm. So there's a the benefit of having those types of mentors, which I have you know, about three or four of them that are older than me. And you know, we talk maybe once a month. So it's not like someone I talk to every single week or every single day. We'll go and grab coffee. We'll have text conversations. We'll see each other at other people's houses um, that are kind of in the circle that, of, of friends that we have. But on the other side, you have a paid mentor, which I believe, and I've, I've had paid mentors now in many different aspects of my life the past 15 years The reason why I think there's a benefit to a paid mentor is because that person feels obligated to have you succeed because you're paying them. So the other person doesn't feel an obligation, but they do want to see you succeed. The person who you pay feels an actual, if they're a good coach or mentor, an actual obligation to seeing you succeed. And the the reason why I think that's important is, is because they're going to put more time into you. And the other thing is that like, no matter what it is that you want to be successful at, if you hire a coach, you're shortening your learning curve. Like, You can go out and learn something and it could take you five, six, seven, eight years to do it. Or you can find someone who's already where you want to be and pay them. And it might cost you a good amount of money, but it saves you four or five years of your life, which means that money is going to come back a lot quicker.
0: And I look at the top performers in everything, whether they're athletes, dancers, bodybuilders, actors, whatever. All of them have coaches. For sure. And it's just so amazing to think that your average person goes, yeah, I'll just figure it out on my own. Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's I think it's because of the fact that the average person there's either number one there's pride they don't want to sit you know have a beginner's mindset and and sit there and be a sponge to somebody else. And number two, I think that what's interesting is that the, that money is just a barrier for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think what if I'm being honest with you, you know, I've done a lot of sales in in helping somebody, you know, whether s- sell them on my coaching services or I've taught a lot of other coaches on how to be coaches is what actually the truth of the matter is, is not that they don't see value in working with that person. The real thing I think it comes down to is, I don't know if I can transform. So like, if you're a coach, I can think that you're an amazing coach and you've helped so many people, but there's a part of me that's like, yeah, but I don't know if I'm good enough. And I think that comes Mm -hmm. down to self-worth issues. A lot of people have self-worth issues of like, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm strong enough, pretty enough, whatever it is. And so there's a part of them and they mostly don't even know this. It's usually subconsciously of, yeah, it worked for all of your other people, but I just they he doesn't know me. I'm not good mm. enough. And they don't that's kind of sitting in the background and they don't really understand that. And so it's it's an interesting thing to sell somebody into a transformation because there's so many mental barriers that can hold somebody back that they're a lot of times they're not even aware are holding them back or even exist.
0: I think it's also tough because you're you're purchasing an intangible, right? right. When right. you buy a car or you know a coffee maker you're buying something you can physically
1: hold for sure you're buying coaching you're buying an idea really yeah yeah and it's like like so I have a, a on Monday I'm starting you know basketball lessons to with a shooting coach because I'm getting back into basketball right and it's like even there I can see the proof by the time we get done in the hour that we're together yeah but and that is that is more of instant gratification which is what we're kind of trained to do nowadays is like hey you know, if I want to know anything, I can look on my phone and it'll immediately t- tell me something, whatever it is I want to know, right? Like you, you look like you're about the same age as me. I remember a time when I'd be sitting around and be like, huh, I wonder how far away, you know, the moon is. Yeah. And I'd be like, I have to go to the library and I have to find an encyclopedia and yeah. hopefully the M is there. And if it's not, I'm going to be like, well, I guess I don't know how far away the moon is, right? Like that was just the way it was, it wasn't instant gratification when I was younger. And now it's at the point where it's like, I can literally just, I don't even have to pick up my phone. I can just say, hey Siri and ask her and she'll immediately right. tell me these things. And so I'm, I'm, we're kind of trained on instant gratification. The thing about, about coaching or mentoring a lot of times, depending on what type it is, is you might not see results for a few months, six months, a year. But if I were to go back to 2005, or 2006, 15 years ago, and there is, there is no amount of money that I, you could pay me to take away everything I've learned since 2006 when I hired my first mentor. So mm-hmm. at that point, it scared the shit out of me to spend $500 a month because I had to put on a credit card. I didn't have it. But right now, I pay millions of dollars for it because it's paid off so much in the past 15 years. So it's it's... And everything we have is delayed gratification. Everything great comes with delayed gratification. It's like, I always say life can either be hard now and easy later, which is like you, you go to the gym, you push yourself, you eat healthy, you'll be healthier long-term. Yeah. Or it could be hard or it could be easy now, eat a pizza, whatever it is that you want, not go to the gym and it'll be hard later when you have complications, all of that stuff. So the difference between g- delayed gratification, instant gratification is what people should always weigh of like, If I go the easy route, it's easy now, but it's going to be hard later in life. If I go the hard route now, it's going to make my life easier. And I think that's part of the thing with getting mentors and coaches is that it's going to be harder now. They're going to push you. They're not going to allow you to be giving excuses and they're going to push you. But in turn, if you fast forward a year, two years, three years, 10 years down the road, you'll be a completely different person if you have somebody that's good and you really follow through on what you should be doing. Well, you're everybody's mentor. That's the name of your podcast. Yeah, I try. Mindset Mentor.
0: (laughs) Your podcast went through a few different names. So talk to me about why the name was what it was originally and how you landed on the Mindset Mentor.
1: So, okay. So it was originally MWF Motivation because I wanted it to be as simple as possible. It comes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Mm -hmm. and it's a motivational podcast, right? And it was that way for about two and a half years, maybe three years. And then I switched it because I was like, I don't like the brand. I just don't like the brand. I don't want to go by MWF Motivation forever.
0: People are always like, "What does that stand for?"
1: Exactly. And then they were like, "What does that mean?" And I had to explain it to them. And so then I switched it to the Mindset and Motivation podcast because I was like, it is mindset, it's motivation. But then I realized, like, I I think motivation is necessary, but I also hate being called a motivational speaker because I'm not, I'm not purposefully motivated I don't I don't go hey you can do it I believe in you high five good job buddy like I'm not like that type of person I'm more like hey get your shit together if your life isn't what you want it to be you need to fix it and so I thought I don't want to be known as like a motivating person I want to mm-hmm. be known as a person that's get, that's going to tell you exactly what it is it's, I'm obsessed with neurology psychology early childhood development like I geek out on this stuff every single day so even if I didn't do what I'm doing I'd still be obsessed with these things and so I thought
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You know, as a motivational guy, I'd rather be known as like this per- person who can tell you this is how you change your habits. And this is actually how it changes your brain. And when you change your brain, your habits will automatically stick. And I thought mindset is really what the key is. And so I was sitting down, I was having a brainstorming session with some of my friends and I was like the mindset mentor it kind of flows. And then also at the same time, like I fully believe that every single person has mentors in many areas of their life. And so if somebody wanted to have a mindset mentor, I would like to be that person. And so yeah. that, was, that was what I chose. It stuck. It's been trademarked, all of that stuff. Cause I was like, this is what I want to be known as like until the day I die is the mindset guy. I love it. Just, I, I'm just obsessed with it. It's, it's literally my passion more than anything else.
0: This podcast is sponsored by
1: BetterHelp. Is there something
0: interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com. Com slash Insight. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P H-E-L-P.com, slash Insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to BetterHelp.com slash Insight. That's betterhelp.com help, slash insight. I imagine you've read Dr. Carol Dweck's book Mindset. I think it's so yep. fascinating. And, and a lot of people don't know this, that
1: there's yep. two different mindsets, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. Yep. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is if I have a fixed mindset, which I would say when I was younger, I had a fixed mindset. it You don't, you're not stuck there forever, which is basically... The world is happening to me. Oh, woe is me. This happened. This happened. The growth mindset says, Oh, this this came in, this challenge is a lesson. What can I learn from this so that I can continue to get better? Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of people nowadays that you can see where it's like there's a there's a there's a really great meme that I've seen where there's like a it looks like it's a you know a cartoon, there's a politician that's on stage and he's speaking and he says, Hey who wants change? And everybody raises their hand and then right under it has all the, the exact same politician says, who wants to change? Everybody's hand goes down, right? it's like, <laughs> so many people want everybody else to change. They want them, if I'm a Democrat, I want the Republicans to think the same as me. If I'm a Republican, I want the Democrats to think the same as me. And it's like, there's so many people that are on other sides versus going, okay, instead of me trying to force you to change, why don't I look at what I don't enjoy about the other side or anybody else, anything else that's out there in the world And as Gandhi said, why don't I just be the change that I want to see? Because if I am that change, I will inspire other people to then change. Because there's one thing that I know is you can't force somebody to change. But if somebody sees a change in me and how I am and the change, you know, it's like, they're going to come up and ask me what I've been doing. If I was severely overweight and I lose a bunch of weight, someone's going to come up to you and go, man, you look really good. What have you been doing? And then I can give them advice, right? And I can help them change from there. But if I were just go up to them and try to give them advice on weight loss without them wanting it, they're not going to okay. want it. And so the way I see it is if we just all focus on, okay, every challenge that's ever come to me, you know, like, and I learned this with my, my father passed away when I was 15 years old from being an alcoholic. And I learned this isn't, this didn't happen to me. This happened for me. How can I take this thing and turn it into a positive and use the rest of my life to make this negative thing, something positive in the world. And most people would have gone, oh, this happened to me. Woe is me, which I was on that path for a while. And I was like, you know what? This, this, this path sucks. I don't want to be that, be that way anymore. And so I would say like that was the catalyst for me of like I'm going to make something positive from this. I'm going to make something positive from my life and try to teach people whatever I learn along the way as well.
0: That's what so many people have been doing this last year. Woe is me, 2020, worst year ever. Right. I lost my job. This happened, this happened. And I love the way that you're framing this. That, yeah. of course, there's negative things that happen and we can focus on
1: those. But at the same time, what's good is always there as well. Yeah, and let's be real. You know, 85% of people who have a job in America actually don't enjoy their jobs. So if they lost yeah. their job, maybe I always see it as like, that's the universe, God, whatever you believe in coming in and saying, hey, if you won't quit, I'm going to make you lose the job so that you can find something that you actually want to do. You can find something that you're actually passionate about. Because that's that was actually my most viral video I've ever made. It's called Your Job is a Waste of Your Life. And I don't, if somebody loves their job, it's not a waste of their life. But the average person spends the majority of the waking hours in their lifetime working. So if someone doesn't love what they do, it's wasting their life. Like the one shot that they have here. And so for me, I'm super passionate. If you hate your job, I'm not saying quit right now and then get your family on the streets, but can you start to go, okay, within two years, I'm going to quit this job and do something I'm passionate about and start to slowly transition to that thing. And so I think 2020 for a lot of people losing their job is, some people lost a job that they loved. And it, I think that if they were to try to figure out a positive in that over the next couple of years, they could find it and yep. work for it. But there's also a lot of people that didn't enjoy their job. And now they got fired from a job that they hated. It's like, well, why don't you now that you have the opportunity to try to figure out what positive could come from it and how you can turn this into something that could be you know, a catalyst for massive changes in your life. You've had such
0: tremendous success with your podcast. Congratulations to you. You're Thank always you. at the top of the charts. It's amazing to see. Thanks, but well, you had great success with your podcast from the beginning. And what was it
1: that really helped to kind of push it in that direction? Um, so I'm hardcore into guerrilla marketing. So, the, okay. if, so like when I was in Cutco, we used to hand out 10,000 business cards to try to just get people to come in and apply. Because the more people you have, that come in, the more people like sales. is a, it, We recruited a lot of people because a lot of people didn't want to do it. And so some people would stick. And so I got really big into like guerrilla marketing. I'm going to get my message out there no matter what. And so for me, if I'm being honest with you, what I did was I would literally, this is no joke exactly what I would do. Every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I had a massive list of all of these Facebook groups where I reached out to the owners of the Facebook groups and said, hey, this is my podcast. How can I add value to your group? And instead of just like going in and spamming, I had a relationship with them where I could, I was helping them and making their 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 groups better by adding value and answering questions, all that stuff. But then I would post every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and let them know that it was live. And I Mm. started having people from those Facebook groups start listening to my podcast. Then the other thing that I would do is I reached out to everybody who was in like you know the 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 new and noteworthy, which is like when you're brand new, and I would say, hey, you know, I just uh, listened to your last episode. I gave it a review. Here's a screenshot of it. I would love it if you'd do the same for me. And every Friday, I would do, literally for eight hours straight, I would listen to podcasts. I would review them. I would send an email to that person and say, hey, here's what here's the, the review I just left for you. If you'd like to do it, I, I would appreciate it not everybody did, but probably 40% would actually go back and review it. And so what happened was then I started popping up higher to the charts because more people were listening to it from Facebook, more people listening to it from other podcasts, Yeah. and more people were giving me ratings and reviews. And so for me, I didn't want to put any money into it. Like I said, so I was like, how can I work my ass off to get the message out there? And so everything that I could do, I was like... And, and people will will sit there and go, yeah, but I don't want to spam people. I don't want to be in everybody's business and all that stuff. And for me, like... It wasn't that it wasn't any of that. It was that I fully believe in what I do, and I fully believe that everybody—not just listen to me, but should be listening to somebody that's helping them make their life better in some sort of way. Yeah, and I'm willing to die for that message. And for me, I was like, I'm going to put it out there in as much as I possibly could. And and from there, man, it just kind of took off, and it just kept growing and growing. And then it kind of got its own legs after a while. But I knew if I just made a podcast and put it out there, nobody would be able to find me. How do you think people find you now? God, I don't even know, man. It's it's <laughs> a lot of different ways. It's it's I think it's a lot of organic because you know usually it's in the top one hundred to two hundred podcasts in the world, and so I think yeah. there's a lot that's organic in there. Um, also, with my podcast following, I do a lot of you know my following continues to grow because I post as much as I do. People are going to start sharing it, and people are going to start you know it's going to pop up in algorithms on Instagram and Facebook, and people are going to start seeing it and go, oh, who's this guy and follow him. Um, and then what I do is every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll take my phone. I'll say, "Hey, I just made a podcast episode about X, Y, Z. If you want to listen to it, swipe up right now." First one swipes up and goes immediately to Apple Podcasts. Next one swipes up and goes to Spotify. And then so from there, I try to get the people to to follow me that way. But I think a lot of it's from from growth. I also have uh, I've been lucky enough where every once in a while, I'll just I'll look and I'll have four hundred thousand downloads in a day, just. Explodes and I'm like, where'd this come from? And Spotify just decided to feature me, which was kind of cool. So that's happened a few times as well, where it's just been organic growth by Spotify growing. And then I don't know what the hell happened in Australia, but I somehow became the number one business podcast in all of Australia. It just like blew up, and so the Aussies kind of took over down there, and it continues to grow from it. And um, the one thing that I think really helps as well is that a lot of people share it. So like, I'll go into my Instagram and I'm tagged in. Hundred, every single day that, that it, the podcast comes out, it's like hundreds of people tag me in their Instagram stories. And so the thing that I've been able to be, I've been grateful for is having people that share my stuff and get it out there, which then just helps it grow organically as well. You're one of the few podcasters
0: I know that doesn't have pre-roll ads. So how are you monetizing this? Um, so we do
1: have, we have mid-roll ads. Okay. So we have we have mid-rolls. Um, so the thing that, but I didn't have, it was four... Four and a half years that I didn't have any podcast advertising at all. So basically what I do is I would te- tell people all about other, the other stuff that I did in my podcast. And then I have all of my own programs and ways that I help people with two different ways, either whether it's advanced mindset stuff where we go really in depth. Because my podcast is only like 15 to 20 minutes. So it's hard it's to go really... It's really, very bite-sized, oh, very easy yeah. to digest. Short, to the point, everything. Like when I first had my podcast come out, they were all one hour long episodes with entrepreneurs, like there was like a big entrepreneur thing five and a half years ago, and I was like, I'm gonna make it short, to the point, get it done as quick as I possibly can. Which is, it's like you said, it's like bite-sized. People appreciate that, and so for me, it was like I'm gonna make them. I'm gonna be different than everybody else, which is what I wanted. I always try to be different in any sort of way that I can, and so, um, so yeah, that was that was really what what I think took off was that people were able to listen to three episodes. In the time that they normally listen to somebody else's, yeah. but um, I don't really, I don't really veer off the of subject. Like I go straight in and, and no BS, short to the point. I think that's just what people tend to appreciate with a lot of the message that I put out there.
0: If someone is looking to start their own podcast, what advice do you have for them?
1: Do something that you actually love. Like I think the, th- the interesting thing about this is that I think a lot of people, like I was looking at yours uh, before we t- we spoke, right? I can see you have a ton, you have so much wrestling content out there, right? But you're freaking passionate about it, right? Sure. yeah. So, because you love it. So you could talk about wrestling all damn day, I bet, right? <laughs> probably. Which doesn't, yeah. <laughs> like you can had, you had see the thing behind you. You've got the- This the, is yeah. my
0: championship belt, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's like, you could talk about it all day long, probably, because you love it. So that means that you've made a podcast and you've actually started something that you, that you want to do. A lot of people make podcasts, and the average podcast only goes seven episodes, just so you know. Yeah. The reason why is because people are talking about... They see it as, okay, I've got a business. Another way that I can drive revenue is from this business. right? And for me, it's never been about revenue for me. I I believe that money is a byproduct of the value that you give the world. So if I just give more value than anybody else, I'll probably make more money than everybody else as well. So for me, it's like, how can I just put out as much as I possibly can that I love? And so like I told you, like... I would be researching neurology, psychology, early childhood development because I just find it so freaking interesting. But what's cool is now I have this massive base of knowledge around it. And now I just record podcast episodes. So if someone's going to start a podcast, make it the way that you want to do it. Don't just follow everybody else. So like when I was saying, you know, everybody else had hour, two hour, you know, three hour podcast episodes when I first started, because it was like Tim Ferriss was around back then. Uh, you know, there was, uh, Joe, Rogan. Joe Rogan was around back then. They're yeah. all really long and I love those, but I was driving to work. and My work is only 20 minutes away and yeah. I hate not finishing something. So it pissed me off by the time I got to work and I was like, I'm not done. I want to hear more. And so it's like, that was just what I, I'm known as like very short to the point. I'll tell you exactly how it is. So I made my podcast around my personality, around something that I love. Yeah. And so the, the tip I would give somebody is if you want to have like long-term, I'm almost 900 episodes in, make it something that you actually love. Yeah. And then as cliche as the, the phrase is, it'll never actually feel like any work to you.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, I've worked as a TV host and an entertainment reporter my entire career. Mm-hmm. So I've interviewed everybody, like right. Denzel Washington, Leonardo DiCaprio, Steven Spielberg, everybody. Every most
1: famous person I get, I understand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
1: right. <laughs> I saw Tom like, Kruth, The Rock, yeah. I get it. I'm, you know, he's second to me. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I realize, I'm realize i also a huge wrestling fan, and I realized yeah. when I had access to those wrestlers and I put those interviews up on YouTube... yeah. They, to spike because there's a lot less interviews being done with the Chris Jericho's and Dean Ambrose's and Roman Reigns of the world. Right. So it's like, well, maybe I should it's exactly what you're talking about here. Double down on the thing that I'm passionate about and is, sure. I, is also working for me. Because there's a million interviews with DiCaprio and Steven Spielberg out there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's the thing about it, is that in when you're doing these things, it doesn't feel like work to you because yeah. you're you're just interested. It's just something that lights you up. And I think that's that's what holds people back from doing something they truly love, is that they it's almost like we've learned to be successful in something. Like it has to suck. We have to struggle to success. And so for you to go, oh, I want to do these interviews with people who are in wrestling, you're like, ah, but that sounds like fun. I don't know if I could do that or if that would be successful. It's like, I know people, I have friends that are that are incredible marketers and they make millions of dollars in the most weird, crazy niches you could possibly think about because it's something that they love. Like I have a friend who Literally, he plays this game. uh, I think it's called like Warhammer 40,000 or whatever it is. I'd never heard of it before him, right? And he, it's like literally the the game board is like 12 feet by 12 feet. It's huge. And the characters are like huge characters. You move across the board and he's a really great marketer. And he built within a year, the biggest following in the world around that and built a multiple six-figure business around that his first year and it's just something that he loves so he'll live stream across the entire world with like seven different cameras of him playing this game that lasts for like four hours with his fiance and his friends but it's what he loves and so it doesn't feel like work and he makes a ton of money doing it and it's yeah. like people don't think that they can make money doing what they love because they feel like you have to struggle to success but man nothing can be further from them truth like if you really love something like to be successful you have to work hard and sure. you can either work hard because you're forcing yourself to, or you can just love doing something so much that you just naturally work hard because it's like, an, it's like a second or a third arm to you. like It's just another arm of you. It's, it's who you are. Yeah. And if you can develop a business or a podcast or whatever it is you're trying to do that feels like it's part of you, it's so much easier to be successful because you accidentally work your ass off because you just love it anyways.
0: Yeah. With all of that said,
1: how do you define success? I think success is different for everybody. But I think that for me, it's first off, people need to define what their own version of success is. That's, that's what a lot of, it's not just monetary, but for me, I think it's doing what you want, when you want with who you want. And what that is more than anything else, just freedom. Like everybody wants to be free. And so for me, I feel like it's, you know, I, I think freedom is actually what everybody's working for. So, you know, I don't want to be, unfulfilled in what I do. Like Tony Robbins also says, you know, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. So a lot of people will make millions of dollars, but they don't feel fulfilled and they've built a business or they're they're stuck in a company that they actually don't love at all. And so they're actually completely unfulfilled because of it. And so I think is like when you do something that you love, you don't have to make millions of dollars doing it. But if I could make Sixty thousand dollars, seventy thousand dollars a year. Which they found once you make over seventy thousand dollars a year, you don't become any happier with the more money you make. You can make seventy thousand dollars a year, and you could have a, you know, a podcast or a business that teaches people how to ride horses because that's your passion. Like that's success in my book. It's not about becoming multi millionaire, but it's like you do what you love to do, and it doesn't. You don't feel drained after it. You're like on fire after you get into it. Whether it's the company that you have, the work that you have the business that you work for you can work for a company and still feel fulfilled or you know the podcast that you have and you could build something around what you actually love um and you have the freedom to do what you want when you want with who you want like i think for yeah. me that just that feels like success yeah i love that what do you think are three things that someone can do
0: right now to start to have a better mindset
1: <laughs> number 1 is to become more self aware that's that's the first thing is that I think people, one of my favorite phrases that Dr. Joe Dispenza says is, take, your, t- take yourself out of the jar and read the label. So it's like, we're always stuck in our head of mm. everything that we do. And I've had people tell me so many times before they started coaching with me years ago when I was doing one-on-one coaching, uh, which I don't do anymore because I don't have time to, is I thought I knew myself until I started working with you. And you start realizing when you take yourself out of your own jar and you read the label, which means like you take yourself out of your head, and you look at it as if you're another person, you start noticing patterns and habits that you don't necessarily want to be in your life and you don't appreciate them being there. And so I think like the first thing is is self-awareness is if you can develop self-awareness to go, oh, I just got into a fight with my girlfriend. Is there a part of it that could have been my fault? Right? Like the self-awareness of not going, oh, it's her fault, but going, oh, Yeah, I have been doing that a lot lately. And she's been telling me she doesn't like that I do that. So maybe actually the the fight came from that, which makes it my fault. So self-awareness, I think, is the first thing. The second thing that I think if people really want to keep working on themselves and become better is find somebody whose message you love. like Whether it's me, whether it's Tony Robbins. Like I almost didn't start the podcast just because of the fact that Tony Robbins exists. Because I was like, who wants to listen to... At that time, I was you know tw- 27 28 years old i was like who wants to listen to a 27 28 year old talk about mindset even though i've been doing it for 12 years at that time i was like who wants to listen to a listen to somebody talk about it when there's tony robbins that's out there yeah and then i got messages from people that were just like i i've heard tony robbins say some of the same things but they've never just connected with me the same way that your message does hmm. so it's like i might be the person for somebody tony robbins might be the person for somebody you know gary v might be the person for somebody there's so many different people out there it's like find out your person. Like for some people, they love my message cuz I'm like brutally honest. I'm short to the point. I don't bullshit. Some people that's too much for them and they want someone that's a little bit softer, a little bit sweeter, a little bit more beautiful and that's cool. So it's like find the person who whose message you actually connect with. And the third thing man is just like take time to do it every morning. Like I I take I I see my mornings as like my sacred time. Like I have time every single morning where growth is part of it. Like my first, I have, a, I have an hour and I don't I don't recommend this for everybody, but my morning routine is about three hours long where it's like, I wake up and it's my time before I go into my business. I've got, you know, 14 employees. So like I could wake up and immediately go to my phone and I could be busy all damn day if I wanted to be. But it's like, I'm going to take time for myself to work on myself before anything else and set myself up for how I want to be the rest of the day. So I think like number one self-awareness mm-hmm. Number two, just find the person that you dig, that whoever has a message where you're like, yeah, I connect with this person. And number three, just make it like an actual intentional sacred thing that you do every single morning. If you work on yourself every single day, man, like just 1% better every single day, you'll be a different person in a year. You'll be a different person in two years. And not only will you be different, but externally everything around you be different because you internally have changed, which means that when you come out to everybody else, you externally start to change your environment around you as well.
0: I love it brother. You're dropping so many knowledge bombs here. It's exactly. amazing. Yeah. What would you say is the one book that you recommend more than any other book?
1: So, uh if we're talking about success, which, you know, which we have been, there, I'll give you a couple. The my favorite book around that is Think and Grow Rich. That was like the book that changed my life because I realized that I didn't have to be born rich. In, success, in a successful family to be that way. Like I realized like, oh my God, there's actually steps, like s- legitimate steps to being successful. This guy's interviewed hundreds of, of millionaires back in the 20s. So these are like super, super successful people nowadays. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of money in the 20s. And so so I was like, man, I can I can be successful if I just figure out the steps to be successful. So for me, Think and Grow Rich was really big. Um, and then the, the second one I would say behind that was uh, a book called The One Thing by... Uh, Gary, Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Gary Keller's the guy who started Keller Williams. He's got you know it's the biggest real estate office in the entire world. Um, he's multiple billionaire, and for me it was, it was the thing when I first started the podcast. I had the podcast and I had an Amazon business that was doing really well as well. But when I read it and he talks about find the one thing that you want to do and put everything into it. Like don't have a plan A because I don't have a plan B because it distracts from plan A, which Will Smith always says. Yeah. When I realized like, okay, if I fast forward, this is about six years ago. If I fast forward 10 years, do I want to be known as the Amazon guy or do I want to be known as the mindset guy? I was like, I want to be known as mindset guy. Like I'm not passionate about Amazon. And so we were making good money and I shut it down because I was like, this isn't what I want to do. Like, this isn't my passion. And I put 100% of everything that I had into it after that. And that's the only time that actually really started exploding was when I put that much energy into it. And I always say to people like LeBron James, it'd become LeBron James by playing basketball during the week and then volleyball on the weekends just in case basketball didn't work out. Like there was no other option for him. It was basketball or failure, yeah. right? And so that's the way that I see it where it's like when you see the, in the one thing, he talks about that where it's like, if you just find your one thing, and go hardcore at it, you'll eventually be successful. Then there's some people that are listening to it going, but I don't know what my one thing is. And I'm like, that's fine. It's okay at this moment not to know what your ultimate passion and purpose is. It's okay at this moment, but it's not okay to not be in constant pursuit of finding out what that thing is. So if I don't know what my passion or purpose is, I'm gonna wake up every morning and go, I want to know what I'm passionate about. I want to know what my purpose is. I want to know what I'm passionate about. I want to know what my purpose is. And I want to set my reticular activating system to find that. But then also, I want to go try new things because if I haven't found it yet, doing the same things over and over again are not going to yield me finding my passion. So I'm going to go do a whole bunch of stuff I've never done before in my entire life and see if maybe I can find something that's worth putting my entire life into. I love all of this because it's so actionable.
0: This is stuff that we yeah. can start doing today or tomorrow or next week. Actually, don't wait till next week. Start doing this today. And that's what I love it about today. <laughs> it. It's all actionable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, it's it's I don't I don't believe in sitting around and thinking about things. Like you're not going to get the nobody's ever been rich and successful and had the life they want by sitting around thinking about things. They have to get up and actually do something. And the beautiful thing about it is even if you don't believe in yourself, uh belief is not a prerequisite for taking action. You can literally not believe in yourself the entire time you're taking action and ultimately stumble into success, whatever that success is for you. And so people are always like, oh, but I don't believe in myself, so I'm not doing this thing. It's like, you don't have to. Like, mm-hmm. well, I didn't believe that I was going to make sales when I started selling, but I just still hit the buttons anyways and started talking to people. And eventually people started buying and then my confidence got better from there.
0: When you talk about the morning routine, a big one for me is just gratitude. I start every day sure. by talking about, the, saying out loud the three things that I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. I do it before I go to bed every night. And I end every interview with that too. So first of all, thank you. This has been so insightful. Sure, Everyone can listen to the Mindset Mentor wherever they're listening to this right now. And they can find Rob. Where, where should they look for you online?
1: Um, well, I would say that's the main place. My my, my big, huge thing at this point is, is my podcast. Like, I'm putting every ounce of energy into that. Um, and then what's cool is, I mean, if they want to listen to me on YouTube, every podcast is also on YouTube. We highly edit it, everything. Um, and then it's also on Facebook and Instagram. If they just put my name Rob Dial in, whether it's podcasting, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, yeah. I'm going to pop up. You'll see me.
0: Well, I end every interview, Rob, by asking you what are three things that you're grateful for in your life right now?
1: So I also start my day with gratitude. That's exactly what I do as well. Um, so I usually try to just have the first 15 minutes of my day after going to the bathroom, after brushing my teeth, after getting a glass of water. I go into my meditation area, I light a candle. Which is something that I heard from somebody. I was like, I don't, I'm not really a candle guy, but for some reason, when it's dark, it just seems more serious. And so I try to start my day every day like that. Um, first off, I'm grateful for you for having me here. So I appreciate oh, that. And I'm grateful uh, for you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for uh, the fact that the internet exists and allows us to put a message out there because I think that. Um, You know, putting messages out there like this are important because, you know, there is, it can seem like there's a lot of bad stuff that's happening in the world. And there's not, it's not perfect. That's for damn sure. But I think that messages like this allow people to go, huh, maybe I can make something positive out of whatever does happen. The third thing, man, like, I'm just grateful for my health and the people that are around me. Like, it's just, I've I've been blessed with no health issues. I try to take care of myself as much as possible. And so um, I'm trying to do this until I'm 90, 95, 100 years old. So I'm really making sure I do as much as I can to take care of my myself and my body and the people around me to keep going on with this message as long as possible. Only 100? I feel like you should be aiming for like 160. I mean, you know, I don't want to be... A lot of people want to live forever, you know? And I'm like at hundred, I think I'll be like, I've done enough. You know, like if I live to 160, I'm like, all right, I'm retiring from this whole like mindset thing for the next 60 years. I put out enough content. I mean, by 90, what do I be like? 40,000 podcast episodes at that point. I think I could probably wow. retire from podcasting at a hundred. <laughs>
0: Rob, thank you so much. I love I this.
1: It. Yeah, man. I appreciate you for having me. I, that's, it's been fun.
0: There you go, my friends. What a great conversation with Rob Dial. Ah, I loved it. Huge thank you to Rob for finding the time in his schedule to have this conversation with us. And an even bigger thank you to you for listening to this and listening all the way until the end. There's just so many actionable things in here that you can apply to your life right now. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend who you know will also love this. And tag us on social media so that we know you're listening and so we can say hi. I'm at Chris Van Vliet, and Rob is at Rob Dial Jr. I just started that book that he recommended, The One Thing, and man, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. And by the way, I'm always looking for great books to read. So if you have any good recommendations, please shoot me a message and let me know. And I'll leave you with an incredible quote from that book. And the author is Gary Keller. This book's so great. Here's the quote. People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. So good. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight.